Hey, hey, Star Wars fans, it's Gary here from Spark of Rebellion, and we would love for you to listen to all of our brand new episodes when they land every single Saturday. Make sure you follow us on your podcast app of choice or pop over to sparkofrebellion.com forward slash listen. If you like the show and you want to support us, you can do that via our Patreon. Just head over to sparkofrebellion.com forward slash Patreon and come and join our other patrons. And thank you so much for your continued support. Now, may the force be with you and on to this week's Spark of Rebellion. Hello there. Hello there, indeedy, and welcome back to Spark of Rebellion. This is your weekly Star Wars podcast, bringing you the latest in everything Star Wars, rounding up all the latest news and diving into some rumours and whatnot when the mood takes us. Hope you're all well. Hope you all uh, had a good week, stayed safe, stayed healthy. We are both back in the Falcon this week. That's right. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, the Mark, the Marky Mark is back. Back in the Falcon. I missed you again last week, dude. Missed you. And guess who's back? It's me. Um, yeah, I, I was. Um, I missed you as well. Um, mainly, I missed talking about Star Wars with anyone, but I did miss you definitely as well. Definitely. Um, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was, I was thinking, I was thinking to myself, what am I going to do? How can I get some Gary Phil? So then we slacked each other and talked for a little bit, <laughs> which is kind of nice. Um, but thanks for covering last week. I appreciate it. Um, at, it's when one of us do the show. It's like you know when. The Falcon lands on Acto, and you're like, I know it's the Falcon, and Chewie's in there. But who are these other people? <laughs> it's a bit, isn't it? Yeah, that's yeah. what it's like. So that's I'm strange. glad to be back, mate. I'm, uh, it's been a busy week in Star Wars, hasn't it? And I'm going to tell you this straight up. I uh, I watched Clone Wars Season 7. I blitzed it all last uh, Sunday. Oh, nice. Nice. Don't tell me anything too heavy, but worth, worth the wait, though. Yeah, so I read Son of Dathomir, the old comic that bridges the gap between... You know, that was one of those uh, little story arcs that never got filmed. Or never got filmed because it's an animated series. But, you know, never got it put into production. Um, a little bit like Dark Disciple and, you know, all those other ones. And uh, so I watched that one, which kind of bridges the gap. You know, when Maul gets his ass whooped by Palpatine. Mm. Um, it bridges that gap between that and season seven. So it's kind of this... I don't know, it's, it's this weird, like... Um, Mix because what I will say is that like the first episode is Bad Batch. Now I'm kind of glad that I didn't watch it when it first came out because I think I'd have been a bit annoyed. Because I won't give any spoilers or anything, but it or it literally focuses on Bad Batch, and like I said, like they're a pretty badass unit, and you know it's it's a a very interesting concept. All these specialist clones and so on. But dude, I would have been miffed. Like, if I'd waited years for this to come around, Clone Wars Season 7, I can see why some fans, when they originally watched it, they were like, what? What is this? <laughs> However, looking back now through the lens of they've announced a, a Bad Batch series, you can see why they did it. That was It was blatantly like a backdoor pilot for the Bad Batch to see what the response was. Like, you know, like they did with Arrow, with The Flash, and, you know, all that other stuff that, you know, all these other backdoor pilots that you see. So kind of just bear that in mind when you watch it. But the rest of it's pretty sweet. The rest of it is uh, full of lore and full of full of mythology, and um, it's fascinating, like how the cards settle at the end. Um, and there's a couple of things in there towards the end that you don't expect. And yeah, dude, yeah, get on it because I was kind of holding out for 
watching all of the entire Clone Wars and just I just I couldn't do it. Like I just could did not have the time to do it. So I was like, you know what? I'm gonna smash through it. So dude, yeah, get on it. I think you'll love it, man. Yeah, well do dude. I think to the um to the shock and awe or possibly absolute disgust of our listeners, I haven't seen series seven, season seven yet. So I'm I'm waiting to get through because I'm I started another rewatch of the Clone Wars months ago and I'm sort of slowly plodding through that. I'm gonna see it the towards the end of season four at the minute, so I'm about nearly halfway through. So uh, I'm going to give that another push this weekend. I'm going to try and smash through like, I don't know, five or six episodes and just get through it. But I'm looking forward to it it though because um, I'm really interested. And again, don't tell me too much, but I'm interested to see what um, happens with Ahsoka through that season because I think, could be wrong, but I think it's quite heavily Ahsoka focused, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty much all Ahsoka focused. To be fair, um, cool, cool. What, it's fascinating. You can, and again, this is not ruining anything. Like you, you can infer this from the trailers. Like when it, <clears throat> when it takes place, is a fascinating thing. Um, you know, the whole crossovers with Revenge of the Sith, and we, again, we've seen this. You know, the whole we've seen Caleb Doom uh, around the holo, uh, you know, the holographic kind of projector. So none of this is spoilers, but you know, where and when it takes place is fascinating, um, and how it just how it lies with not, I think not only Revenge of the Sith, but also things like the Mandalorian, um, because it's a siege of Mandalore, things like um, even Rebels, like there's a lot of little precursor stuff to Rebels in there, which um, again, I won't say too much, but even certain animation styles at certain points, you think that's actually much more Rebels than Clone Wars. So, yeah, uh, yeah, we'll do a let's do a deep dive on it actually when you when you've watched it. We'll do a bit of a deep and I'll I'll kind of I'll rewatch the last, you know, the last half of it again. Uh and we'll maybe do a bit of a deep dive on it because there's a lot to unpack, man. Cool. Likey, likey. Well, of course, yeah. Star Wars yeah. then. No, have I done anything Star Warsy? Uh, I found this cool documentary style film on Amazon Amazon Prime. I tell you what, dude, Prime, they stepped their game up the last month or so. Right. Exactly. They really have. <laughs> they have. Top guy, top guy, Prime. They put um, a tab at the top that says free to me. Why didn't they put that in from day one? Right, Mm. right. But anyway, so I'm a Netflix guy normally. Me and the missus, we normally find a series, you know, me and the old, uh, the missus. The old ball and chain. The old bag for life. (laughs) We normally settle down and uh, we we pick a a Netflix series and we we sort of, we dig in deep and we're like, right, we're going to watch all of it, like 20 odd episodes, whatever. And uh, that's cool. So I only go on to Amazon Prime if I hear something or read something on Twitter, like, oh, this cool, quirky thing's been added. Uh, and I'll get onto Star Wars in a second. But over the last month, they've added loads of films in 4K HDR for free. So you've got like Jurassic Park. So like uh, just a bunch of stuff all in 4K, which you don't get on Netflix. I don't, there's a very small portion of Netflix stuff that's in 4K. All of their original stuff, I think. Well, most of it is. But anyway... So I was looking through Prime, and I found this um, this film, documentary film called Elstree 1976, where they've taken a bunch of people that played like random extras, and it's like, where are they now? So there's like, there's three or four dudes that were that played stormtroopers, and uh, and now it just picks up at their life like forty years later. It's like, what are they doing now? So they sort of recount their memories about how they got involved in the production in the first place. 
So a lot of them were like, we thought this was a, well, like when they, and there's loads of things that came out of this that I'd, I'd never, never sort of heard about because there's been a bunch of documentaries over the years and, you know, it's all been very top level, but this really dives into like the casting of it and the early production. So a lot of these extras were told that this was a TV series. It was like a uber low budget TV series that was going to be just broadcast in the UK, nowhere else. It wasn't this huge massive thing that was going to, you know, ultimately going to happen. And uh, it's got David Prowse in there and he's talking about uh, his early days when he spoke to George and and all that stuff and his displeasure at some of the things that have happened over the years. And uh, we had the dude uh, that played uh, Greedo. We had the dude that played um, one of the X-Wing pilots. It's a really interesting watch. It's not going to set the world on fire in terms of... Uh, it's not like a deep dive into behind the scenes of sort of typical Star Wars. It's not that kind of thing, but it absolutely picks. It's one of those like, where are they now kind of things basically. And it's got some dudes that are like just like normal lives now, normal jobs, but they have this little kind of quirky bit of celebrity to them. So there's a dude that busks on the streets of London and you would never know that he was one of the stormtroopers in Star Wars. And you only know it when he tells you in conversation, like down the pub, he's like, I was a stormtrooper, by the way. They're like, piss off. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he has to sort of recount the story about how he met this person, that person. And yeah, it's just a really sort of interesting watch. It's not, you know, it's not going to, you know, it's not going to win any Emmys, but it's, it was a really cool watch, dude. So I'd recommend anyone that's got Amazon Prime video. I'm assuming it's out in the US as well, but it's definitely here in the UK to give that a watch. It's a, yeah, interesting little watch. That sounds badass. And plus you get like, just a pile of geek credibility. So, like, you now get down the pub stories from it as well. Did you know the guy on bus on the street is like you get that whole thing from it? Like, this is the um, these are the little TV shows and little things that you watch on a Sunday morning with a brew that like make you the geek. You know what I mean? It's not watching the movies; it's it's dissecting the movies and doing stuff like this, dude. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I'm gonna check that out. That's awesome. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, yeah. That's all I've done. Star Wars, you mate. Nothing else. Uh, I have been lining up some more figures, though. My Black Series figures are looking a bit... Well, the shelf's looking a bit anemic at the minute. I've only got about a dozen figures, so I need to get that ramped up. I need to get the old checklist out and see oh, what figures God. I want next. I think the last one I got was the Mando character. So mm-hmm. I think I need to... Uh, yeah. See which ones I want to add to the collection next, because they've uh, got the swanky new box art and stuff, haven't they, now? Yeah, boy. And yeah. they've got some new ones coming out as well, haven't they? They just Didn't they announce them this week? Um which just looked pretty sweet. I can't remember what they announced, but they, there was something Black Series announced this week. It's, it'll be on the was. news list for next week. There was, yeah. I think it was one of the... Was it one of the Extended Universe characters or a video game character? Darth Nihilis, I think. Ah, that was it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That was it. I think I'm saying that right. Nihilis, Nihilis. Nope. Uh, nope, probably not. Wouldn't, wouldn't have thought so. The old Black Series. Love it. Do you want to go again? Were you? Yeah. Wouldn't have thought so. <laughs> When I thought so, right, coming up in episode 73, we have a bunch of news to get through. I'm not sure if we're going to get through the lots because there's, uh, there's quite a few, so we're going to rattle through some of these. And then we're going to get on to some discussion around uh, Daisy Ridley's recent comments in an interview uh, that have kind of sent Star Wars fandom into a bit of a meltdown, really. It's uh, miffed a lot of people off. So we're going to get on to that. So we're going to rattle through some news. But before we crack on with all that, remember to subscribe to our show on whatever podcast app you get your podcasts on or head over to sparkofrebellion.com forward slash listen. There are links there to go off to the various podcast apps and networks. We'd love to have you as a, as a subscriber. 
That way you won't miss a show when it lands every single Saturday, and I clearly can't talk today. Uh, thank you very much to our current patrons too, over on patreon.com forward slash spark of rebellion. Love your continued support. And anyone else, if you like what we do here, if you enjoy the show and want to support us, you can jump on from a dollar upwards. There are various tiers there. Get yourself a swanky Spark of Rebellion sticker. I've currently got mine on my MacBook, and it looks freaking sweet. And I get comments on that going to the office. Oh, what's that film? Film? <laughs> it's my podcast, mate. Spark Rebellion. And I'm being, I'm being genuine. Like one person said to me, what, what, what Star Wars film is called Spark of Rebellion? I was like, dude, it's, there isn't one called Spark of Rebellion. What's wrong with you? Get in the sea. Dennis, <laughs> why are you even here? You don't work here anymore. Oh, so I can't come in for meetings. What if I got a meeting? Everybody, I've been <clears> banned <throat> from coming in to speak to you all because I've got a Spark of Rebellion sticker on my MacBook. I don't want to go for a drink tonight. No? Short notice. About tomorrow. <laughs> Bloody hell. Anyway, you could be like our current patrons. Grab yourself some SOR swag. Dude, we need to get some other stuff on there. I was thinking about this the other day. I, think, I, know, I think we need to do an overhaul of it. Do you know what I'm thinking? We can do some biz dev here if you want, right, right live on air. Go on. I'm thinking one tier. Just one tier. Nice and simple. No messing about. One tier. It is what it is. Nice and simple. Well, I was going to say, I think we should just add caps to the swag. But... Uh, different pages. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Coming out from a different angle. So, anyway. And that's Gaz saying it for a change. But, yeah, no, caps would be good, actually. What are you thinking? Like, one of them snapback ones? Yeah. Yeah, what? snapback. We look terrible in one of them. Have you seen my face? Have you seen my head? I've got a weird head. We have got a sort of oblong-shaped head, but you, yeah. you hide it, you style it out well with the old cap, mate, so it's all good. Well, that's, yeah, but it's not a flat back, it's a snapback one. I think I look like Justin Bieber trying to be ghetto. Nah. This is Star Wars, dude. I was thinking one thing, but okay, we should probably we should probably revisit that one. And think, look, if you've got some feedback out there, listening, you know, let us know. Would you want one tier with caps on it? That's a good one. We could merge them. Well, let's not go out with a closed question. This is not a yes or no. Let's, you know, what do you want to see for swag? Oh God, yeah. Yeah, and let's I keep have it to clean. Go all the feedback now. Yeah. Oh, all God. the bloody feedback, aren't I? Keep it do clean. Some admin. Keep it clean. Bit of blue for the dads. Um, <laughs> all right. Yeah, we should re we should rethink the old patron, though. I'm up for that because I think it's, uh, I mean, what are we? Just over a year and a bit in. Just over a year and a bit, like, that's a, that's a time frame. <laughs> um, we should, yeah, we should, we should probably revisit that, dude. I agree entirely. I entirely. Yes. Because I, more than anything, I just want a, a spark of rebellion cap. Oh, I see what's going on there. So if I have one, all of our listeners should have one. Simple as that. Well... Yes. I don't disagree with that. Cool. Anyway, that's Patreon. We're also on the socials too. Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Just do a search for us, Spark of Rebellion. Or we have links on the website too, sparkofrebellion.com. So go and check that out. Come and connect with us. We chat Star Wars throughout the week and post little tidbits over there. So we'd love to have you as a follower there as well. Yeah. It's all happy days, mate, in the world of Spark of Rebellion. Nice it little is. community, some friendly faces. Mm -hmm. Chatting Star Wars is none of this... Uh, None of this uh, toxic stuff going on that you see in some some circles. It's all good. They'd be out for now. Yeah, well, then they'd be out. They come through no that wall if you had. 
Yeah. yeah. I don't know, mate. It's pretty trend. Yeah. Uh, Going to karate. I knew that was coming. You knew it, mate. See, when we do solo shows, we don't do office quotes, and now we've just spent 15 minutes and 14 seconds, and I bet seven minutes of those have definitely been <laughs> office Probably. quotes. Yeah. Mark's like the dude that you see in the courtroom. You know the little dude in the courtroom that's got the little mini typewriter that's like fingers are buzzing away. Like Mark's like that at the minute doing the timestamps. I am doing. So, yeah. Well, the funny thing about it is that <laughs> I've now deleted all the timestamps and I've got. <laughs> I'm ready for the first news article. So the first news piece that timestamp has changed like 15 times because I'm like, right, we're going to get onto it. I've got 10 minutes 40, and here I am, 15 minutes in, thinking, okay, I'm just going to delete all this because imagine it. Minute three, Gaz does Brent quote. Minute four, Mark does Brent quote. Minute five, Brent quote from both. You know, it just it gets a bit. It would just get a bit much on the timestamps. All it is, yeah, is I'm trying to get the timestamps done. All right, I'll let you off. Let's uh, let's give you a nice countdown so you can get this one bang on. Three, All right. two, one. The High Republic has had some exposure recently. That was good. You were just straight into it there. Straight in, mate. Professional. Proper. So the High Republic has had some exposure recently. Remember uh, way back before COVID was cool and popular, uh, we spoke about all of the High Republic stuff that was doing the rounds. It was going to come out this year and this big sort of multimedium stuff that was happening. Well, a lot of it's been delayed. We know about all that stuff, but they have trickle-fed some stuff over at StarWars.com. And we have uh, the first look at a couple of characters. And... uh, the first one, we'll come on to the comic book in a second because there's a, a prominent character there, but we've got some details around what Yoda's going to be up to in the High Republic. So as we know, the High Republic is set around, I think it's around 200-ish years prior to the Phantom Menace. So this is the era where the Jedi and the Jedi Council are held in really high esteem. It's all very, um, they're like the upper class echelons of of sort of peacekeepers and everything is everything is nice and peaceful and shiny and stuff. And uh, so yeah, so that's that kind of era. So a lot of questions were around, so what's going to happen with Yoda then? Because uh, we saw some concept art for him when they first announced everything. And what they've done is they've now changed the the look just very, very slightly. So in the concept art, he was very much, uh, uh, he just looked like, normal Yoda really. So what they've done is they've they've de-aged him just very slightly. He hasn't got as many wrinkles over him and stuff and they've given him a new outfit and whatnot. Because uh, in this era, I think, if I'm reading this correctly, uh, he's meant to be around 700 years old. So he's not, you know, sprightly. He's not just fresh out fresh out the bag, um, but he's a couple of hundred years off um, off the, uh, the Skywalker stuff. And uh, what they're going to do with him in terms of story is uh, they're still going to have him look after sort of the the younger Jedi, the sort of Jedi uh, in training, the Padawans kind of thing. And uh, uh, apparently, according to um, uh, one of the writers who's going to sort of put Yoda sort of forefront in the upcoming book, um, which is called, um, what's the book called, dude? Because I can't see it on here for looking. It's called... Um, let's have a look. It's called... I'll come on to that in a second. But anyway, um, the author of the book has basically said, look, we need to do something with Yoda. And it was one of those sort of bucket list things that he had on his list. He was like, 
I would absolutely love to write for Yoda, but it's never going to happen. Yoda's like this sacred character. Nobody knows anything about the the species of Yoda, anything like that. So we never thought it would happen. And then when he gets got round to actually uh, penning the book, he was like, "This is amazing." So he considers it a, a good, uh, a sort of massive honour um, to write for Yoda. So um, Daniel Older is the author, and. Um, He's actually writing this. is not the book, it's the comic, sorry. It's the High Republic Adventures comics, which are coming out next year. So what do you do with Yoda? I mean, you know, we've seen, obviously, uh, everything that's happened with the Skywalker stuff, but we know very little about what he did before. So he's basically going around the galaxy, essentially. He's taking Padawans with him, and it's almost like a sort of hands-on... Um, a, well, literally, an apprentice um, uh, apprenticeship sort of thing going on where... He's not teaching these dudes at the Jedi Temple. He's not doing classroom stuff. He's actually out and about taking these dudes around the galaxy. So very, very cool because, like I said, previous to uh, the Skywalker saga, we had absolutely no idea what was happening with Yoda or his species. It was only that we, when we saw Baby Yoda in The Mandalorian that we had a little inkling of what was happening with that stuff. And even now, we don't know what his species is called. Uh, so that's really interesting. But, dude, uh, it's good that we're getting some details, trickle feed from Star Wars, because it is a, a shame it was a, it was delayed and everything, but they're keeping us in a loop. And you said that StarWars.com are like bringing the beans recently with news and stuff. So what do you reckon? Yeah, they, they have been on top of it. It's refreshing because it's like, like, so people like Inverse have been getting in on Star Wars, where, you know, like, so the Inverse website, if you ever just do a quick search for... Um, like just for Star Wars stuff, which is generally how we found a lot of the news. You know, we, we, I'm, I'm just curious every day I look at Star Wars stuff. So like pl- places like Inverse have upped their game to grab a little bit of traffic. And what you end up then finding is that those kind of places, it's like this one unrevealed point from Star Wars Episode 1 of Phantom Menace. And it's like, so when, then when you read the article from someone like Inverse, it's like, oh yeah, did you know that this, uh, this brick in this wall here was intended to be Anakin's dad? Like, you know, that's how tenuous all the stuff that these other kind of places tend to do. So, like, StarWars.com, they're really now just like, look, we are going to do good news stuff. So all the reveals, we will do those reveals. Thank you very much. And so I'm I'm just, like, I'm loving all that stuff. So, yeah, to to that point, fair play to StarWars.com for doing that. To the point of Yoda, I mean, it's kind of what we said, isn't it? It's, it's, um... The poster child for anything that you do in Star Wars almost has to have something so remarkably recognisable that someone that doesn't really care about Star Wars, the brand, is like, yes, I will take a look at that. And, you know, we said it before, there's, there isn't, it's, it's not an accident that 200 years is, is the time frame they've chosen. They could have gone right back to the Old Republic, and, and I'm sure that a lot of those, those stories will come into play here in this High Republic era, albeit fast-forward 25,000 years. But now you've got Yoda, and again, we said it where you've got the opportunity because he's got that flexibility in his age to just be around. So I think it's interesting what they've done because they've only, they have really only de-aged him ever so slightly. Um, if you look at the write-up from older, if you look at what StarWars.com has said and look at some of the pictures, it really is like, we'll just get rid of a few wrinkles. Like, this is a guy in his 50s, not his 70s. You know, and he's in his nineties in in the original trilogy, so you you kind of think, yeah, all right, I'm all right with that. They've darkened his clothes up, which makes him feel a bit more. It sounds weird, but it makes him look a bit more mobile. You know, it makes him feel like he's actually, you know, is is a jobbing Jedi. You know, he's out there. Um, 
So I, I think it's interesting, dude. And the one concern that I've got with all of this focus on the Yoda species is that I almost don't want to know. Um, like I'm, I'm kind of all right. I'm kind of all right with not knowing much about that species. And and baby Yoda to me is a little different because it's sort of you you can tell a new story. So what I'm talking about there is you can the Mandalorian can get very very interesting and do so much with that character based on why the Empire wants him. You know, that mm. can be the focus. It doesn't have to be his... his and even, even his origin can be something completely fresh and new that doesn't even look into the origin of the species. So I'm a little bit concerned that we're going to demystify Yoda. You know, we're going to take some of that deep mystery, a little bit like what we did with the Solo movie, which, you know, we've talked about it recently. It was a decent movie, actually, when you look back at it. But it's almost, do you know what? I don't know if I need to see the Kessel Run. I'm all right. Well, like, do the other bits. I'll just let's let's just leave that in legend. You know, it's a throwaway. Mm. It's a little comment that just adds to the legend of Han Solo. Let's leave that. Um, so that's the only thing I'm slightly worried about. But it is refreshing to see that we are going to see some kind of, um, not necessarily backstory on Yoda, but we're going to see Yoda doing other stuff. And I think that's the flexibility of this character. Because if you were to go into an Obi-Wan series... It's like, right, you've got 50 years to work with. What are we going to do? If you go into a Luke Skywalker, you know, clearly you've got the 30-year gap or when he was a kid. They're the only two times you can you can play with. Um, but Yoda, you've just got such a rich tapestry of background that you can dig into because he's that old. So I think it's fascinating. I think it's obvious. And I've just got that slight edge of concern that they might just undo some of the mystique that makes Yoda so special. But it's, you know... It's all about the green, isn't it? In two ways. It's all about the green making the green. Yeah. So, you know, Disney's a company. They're going to do what sells. And ultimately, Yoda is going to sell. That's exactly it, mate. Yep. Yoda's going to sell. Uh, so, yeah, so that's the comic that's coming up next year. This isn't the main run. This is the, uh, it's not really a spin-off, but this is like an, uh, another run from IDW. Uh, and this is uh, written by uh, Daniel Older. And then moving on to, we've got a, the, a first preview of the actual, um, the comic run proper, I guess. So this is from Marvel Comics. This is just the High Republic issue number one that again is due to land next year, I believe. And we've had some details from uh, Kevin Scott, who's been writing this one. And uh, Kevin Scott, as we know, has penned um, some really good Star Wars novels. Um, over the last few years, and um, he's his comic run is focused on a new Padawan uh, that again was revealed earlier on this year when they were talking about the High Republic initially, and this is um, the young Padawan um, Keeve, uh, who is a, a female uh, Padawan, and she's being trained by her Jedi Master uh, Skier, um, who's a Trandoshan, and. Um, I imagine we'll get onto some story around him as well, either in another comic or in a book or something, because he's another another character in Star Wars who's missing an arm, which is always uh, seems to be the thing. But anyway, we've got um, a preview of the first few pages of that comic. It's not been coloured yet; it's just pencil and inks, uh, but it looks kind of cool. So the story um, starts with um, they're on the planet of Sheradan, which is the somewhere in the Republic frontier, apparently. And uh, Skeev, is it Screeve? Sorry, Skeev. I'm so bad with names, man. Keeve. 
uh, Keeve, she's there and she's knocking through the forest and there's like a little character, which I assume is um, indigenous to that planet, is sort of giving her earache and something launches out uh, from the from the bushes. It turns out it's her master and uh, they have like a little battle and stuff. And she's essentially going, I think they're trying to pen this character in the way that she's obviously got chops, she's got talent, but she seems like she's not quite confident enough because she keeps banging on about uh do you don't you don't think I'm ready for the Jedi trials you don't think I'm ready I knew you think you know she's like I knew you thought I wasn't ready she's a bit uh unconfident in that respect and then the master turns around turns around and says to her well when it comes to the trials why do you think we're here so that alludes to the fact that she's actually in the midst of her trials but she doesn't know it her master's just sort of thrown her in and and there we go. So some nice details there for issue number one that's coming from the Marvel Comics run. And I'm glad that Kevin Scott's behind this dude because he gives some, again on StarWars.com, he gives some details around the initial thoughts that he had around this character. So when um, they very first met uh, with the other writers and um, and producers for the Project Luminous thing that happened oh, back even in 2018, I think, um, back at Skywalker Ranch, he came up with this character right then at the, fir- the very first session. And it's uh, she's been progressed and stuff. And then when he said that he saw the artwork for her and the expressions and everything, he was like, over the moon. This is like, yep, this is bang on how I envisaged this character to be. And so he's really, really happy with it. So that's a good sign. But uh, Defo pre-order for me on this one, dude. I know we were a bit hesitant when we first covered the High Republic, but this is actually looking pretty sweet. I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, man, it's looking all right, isn't it? Um, it's a funny one for me because Kevin Scott, I really have a lot of time for. Um, the the Dooku Jedi lost that he did was 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 brilliantly put together um, and tied so much stuff together and, and and was just really well considered. So big big fan of what he does in in, in the Star Wars universe. Um, I, I'll probably not pre-order it purely because I've not got the room to have comics everywhere, which I need to work on a place for that. Because um, now I'm getting back into into like I've picked up the three jokers. You can see it behind me under the throne book. Um, and I just, I'm running out of room, dude. So I kind of want to get this. So I'm thinking I'm, I'm just going to grab the digital version of this one. Because um, it, like, it's a funny one. I don't know how you are. I think you're, maybe you're, I think you're a little bit more graphic novel Like you are willing to go, I'll get the graphic novel where I'm like, I want the individual comics and I can't cope with it, mate. There's no room. <laughs> um, yeah. So definitely going to read it. Definitely going to check it out. Um but I'll probably hang fire on it until it uh, until it's it's collected or if, if it's digital. But it looks interesting. I mean, it's hard to tell, isn't it? Because the first issues of comics always look interesting. Because you're like, well, this is new, this is fresh, this is something that we're doing. And I think it's when you get over the 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 introduction of new characters, then you've really got to step it up a little bit, you know, because the introduction is the exciting bit. Um, like a great example of that was Doctor Afra. You know, the that, of course the introduction's easy. The introductions is is good, and it's when you get to the nuances of the character and the interactions with other characters, that's when the hard work starts. And you know, if they can, if they can do anything like they did with Doctor Afra, um, in insofar as world building and giving that person a personality and really making you care about it, then yeah, this this will be a this will be a, a winner. Um, and that's what they've got to focus on. I think that's an interesting overall thing as well for Star Wars is they've just got to stick to the characters, focus on the characters. The stories kind of weave themselves around the people in Star Wars. Um, so as long as they stick to that, I think it'll be badass, dude. Defo, man. We say that all the time about Star Wars as well. If you nail the characters, don't worry about all the 
law and all the mythology and all the um, sci-fi techie stuff or like just forget all that. If you get your characters down and get them relatable and you know just like any good storytelling I suppose if you get your characters relatable and you start to care about them then you can do anything you want with the story so hopefully and it sounds like this project luminous they have got a, a really good group of writers together so I, I'm yeah I know we're a little bit hesitant with some areas for it but he is hoping anyway that this high republic stuff uh, brings the bacon because more than anything it would be nice for to to not have this just uh sort of wheelie bin into the into the the vault really pretty quickly i'd love for the high republic stuff to have a really good comic run initially a good couple of books because that way it will lead into uh, maybe some disney plus stuff video game who knows because we absolutely need it because whatever's going on with lucasfilm at the minute and upcoming films and whatnot we have no idea so this is like a vehicle to get some really good star wars back out there if it's done well so yeah man Let's hope uh, that works out. But anyways, we'll keep you updated on what hap- what's happening with those comics when they get closer to release next year. Uh, right, moving on to some merch stuff. Dude, 320 quid will get you the new Lego Moss Eisley Cantina set. This is um, this is a weird one, you know, if, uh, for Lego, because whenever I've seen Lego in the past, I've been really excited, especially about these, um, what are they called? This is like the master the um the master builder series where they basically take uh like a standard lego set and like amp it up by a thousand times so they're really they're normally really big sets very detailed loads of pieces and they normally depict uh, a fairly big ass scene or something from one of the movies and uh those of you that have seen the previous master build series ones will be familiar with like the really big expensive millennium falcon the big um I think it was the Emperor Vader's uh, shuttle. They've done a massive Death Star as well. They're really cool. Now they've done this Moss Eisley Cantina one. And don't get me wrong, I think this looks really good. It does look really nice. But it just, maybe I'm my eyesight's off, dude, and the, the photos aren't really doing much for the scale, but it just doesn't look very big. Um, I know it's not like big in terms of, um, overall volume and stuff compared to something like the Death Star or whatever, but uh, it just doesn't look very... It certainly doesn't look like 300 quid's worth of big to me anyway. It's got a really good large number of minifigures, which is great, um, and they've nailed the look of the like the domed buildings and stuff, like the architecture on in Mos Eisley and stuff, but I don't know, man. I just can't... I was really up for this as well when I saw like the initial photos and everything. I was like, oh man, this is like a this could be a definite pickup because it would look brilliant on the shelf. It really would. But oh, I don't know, man, 300 pounds for this. Oh, I don't know. What about you? 300 quid? I think, uh, yeah, definitely. It's, um, I, I, I know what you're saying. Um, but if you, so if you go to the Lego site and look at, um, there's a picture of a stormtrooper randomly sat there. Um, it's like, I don't know, it's like halfway down the pictures just before the video starts. And you get a sense of the scale of it there. And actually, when you when you look at it in that scale, it does look actually quite sprawling. Um, so I, I think you'll be pleasantly surprised by it, dude. It looks a fair chunk, if I'm honest with you. Um, and if you look at it on a shelf, so they've got, a, there's a picture of it on a shelf as well. And dude, it's taking up the entire shelf. Um, and it's, it's, not a, it's not a small 
looking shelf. So that that's I think it's a, a fair chunk of a size that dude. To be fair, um, I think it's just because of how they photograph it, especially on the Star Wars website. You can't really get a sense of it because they're, they're zooming in on a lot of the detail and showing you the minifigures and doing you know focusing on 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 Han and Greedo, you know, in the in the in the little table. But I think when you look at the Lego Star Wars site, I do think you get a bit of a sense of the scale of it. Um, so, dude, I would be so up for this. Um, so up for this. And I, I would be up for this probably more right now than a Death Star or something or a Millennium Falcon because of the breadth of characters that you get with it. Um, I just I think it's a, a real fascinating, just a fascinating piece that they've put together. So, yeah, I'd, I'd be well up for this. And this is something that I will probably get. Um, it it kind of worries me because I'm, I'm a bit worried, like, that, the whole FOMO thing. Because I'm thinking, well, if I don't get it now, am I actually going to get it? Like, in the future, will it be available? But I think... You know, I'm gonna maybe get maybe pick it up sometime early next year. You know, once Christmas is done, once the rush is done, maybe uh, maybe just try and grab this next year. And it would be one of those big pieces that you stick in your office, and it's the it's the only piece that's there because it's that badass. But now I I see what you're saying, but I think if you look at it in context, some of the pictures, I think it does look fairly sprawling, to be honest. Yes. Yeah. No, I do get that. I do get that. It's um, yeah, and I think it opens out as well, like it's on a sort of two hinges and the whole thing opens out and you can see inside it really nicely and stuff. So that's kind of cool. And also, don't get me wrong, I absolutely love that they've chosen this particular little um, timestamp from A New Hope. It's got like the little cantina band in there. It's got a little booth that you can put Han and Greedo in. It's got the Stormtrooper on the dewback outside. It's also got the little ship. It's like a little white um, land speeder ship that sort of casually goes past in the run-up to that scene they've included that as well and like you said loads of characters so it looks on point it looks great and i would love i really would but but now you said that that like the fomo thing because i remember seeing that when they did the first one the the millennium falcon i think it was and it happened the same the same thing happened with me with the sand crawler one that they did as well i thought yeah well, I'll, I'll pick that up at some point and then the actual official Lego site stops selling it or you can't find it in the shop. You go on eBay and it's like a thousand, but it's like 800 quid, 900 quid. And you're like, shit. How long, how long did it take to go from being available to not available? Uh, I think it was a, well, it was a fairly decent chunk of time that they had it available for. Like Um, a year? Yeah. Yeah. Roughly a year. I think. That'll Um, do me then. Yeah. Yeah. I'll do. Um, but yeah, anyway, so the FOMO thing is kicking my ass at the minute with this. It really is. And I don't know. I think, yeah, I, I might just copy you. Might might just do a carbon copy and just wait till Crimbo's out of the way. Yeah. And, uh, and pick That's it what up, I'm thinking, dude. Yeah. And like, sounds a bit anal, but because like, you, so you just, you fairly recently just got your new place and I know you're looking for other stuff for the office, like you said, with the Black Series. I'm, I'm in a, I'm in a potentially moving house where you're like, okay, I can kind of plan around this. It's not because it's so big, you can't squeeze it into an existing room. But if you're in a position where, like, you're just doing the office up, it's sort of a you can you can work the entire thing around that. You know what I mean? You get the shelf, you get something, and you would just make it for that. Um, so that that's that's where my head's at with it. You know, you'd, you'd sort of design a little bit of furniture around that great big giant Lego <laughs> set. Um, which only a Star Wars geek would do, of course. What a loser. <laughs> <laughs> exactly that, dude, yeah. I can imagine you looking around the house as well. All right, Sam, this room's off off limits, I'm afraid, love. Uh, I've got some Lego coming. It's going to fill up this quite nicely with some Black Series stuff, so you're out of here. This is my room, baby. Yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. Hey, I've just looked on the uh, 
I looked on the Lego site, you know, <clears throat> what they do is, um, I didn't know this, so they'll put a, they put little labels on it. So the Death Star and Tantive 4, um, they're both labeled now as hard to find. Yeah, I've seen and that. Then, yeah. I didn't know they did this. And then so a couple of the others, so the, uh, the Battle Hoth, Gen- Action Battle Hoth Generator Attack. That's a crap name. Um, <laughs> that's got the label retiring soon on there as well. So yeah, that's. Um, I didn't know they did that. So you can just keep keep a tab on it. Jobs are good. Un. Job is a good one, mate. Yeah. Uh, they've actually got that Millennium. F- oh, dude. They got Millennium Fa- the Millennium Falcon. Uh, six hundred. Yeah, six hundred and fifty squids. Fuck. Yeah. Right. So. When you think about that, the the cantina is not looking too bad. <laughs> and to be fair, the, the cantina looks a decent size in comparison to the Millennium Falcon as well. Like, look at the size of it compared to the uh, the figures. You know, what I mean, look at the Falcon compared to the figures and the cantina compared to the figures. Like, it it it's not as big as the Millennium Falcon, but it's certainly not far off. Yeah, true. You've charmed me. You've charmed me. Yeah. Probably, yeah. Uh, Go down chances tonight and celebrate. What's your tipple? <laughs> no, right. let's not do it. We're not getting to that. Okay, that's Lego done. And that's coming out next month, actually. So we'll be able to bag that nicely. And I would say, if you've got uh, a significant other that is a Star Wars fan and a Star Wars Lego fan, that's Christmas sorted. You'll get major geek and, and other half points if you pick that up for them. So, um, yeah, that's out next uh, next month. Uh, moving on, we have another cameo revealed in The Rise of Skywalker. So we've had these littered through the sequel trilogy where we've had various actors who we didn't know were underneath Stormtrooper outfits who have come out later on and said, I was a Stormtrooper. And JJ's like, yeah, yeah, they were, they were. So I think we had um, Daniel Craig was one, wasn't he? And we had, um, uh, didn't we have uh, the... Uh, uh, Harry and Wills as stormtroopers um, in the yeah, Force yeah, Awakens, yeah, they were, weren't they? The I Royal Stormtroopers, and yeah. now they're not talking. That's poignant. That's their last on-screen appearance together. You know, they're yeah. not talking anymore. Megan's in. Yeah. She's 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 in the old ear. Oh, Harry, no, thank you. Too many questions. Not, too many. No more of this. No more of this, Harold. You will not be a stormtrooper. You will you will just go to work. Like, you imagine they've moved to LA and Megan's like, right, I'm going to be an actress now. I know you used to be a prince. <laughs> you used to, to be. get a job. <laughs> you have to get a job, son. So he's like, he's just, he's sharking Hollywood. He's around Hollywood, dropping his CV into Denny's. He's like, look, I don't have that many skills that you recognize, but, but I have seen a lot of people serve tea over my time, so I'm fairly sure I could do this. They're like, no, sorry, too recognisable. Don't want it to be the Harry show, need it to be Dennis. <laughs> and that's the life of Prince Harry now, probably. That'll end up on the Daily Mail, I'm sure. Probably. Yeah. yeah. Two Star Wars geeks reveal what Harry's secret life in Los Angeles is like. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, what? Yeah. Working for a living. Working for a living. Carl Urban, you know the dude that stars in the current... Amazon series The Boys, and is also mm-hmm. uh, I think he was Judge Dredd, right in the the reboot of that franchise. Uh, was a stormtrooper, dude, in the Rise of Skywalker. So he joins this um, this club of actors who were uncredited, 
uh, stormtroopers in the sequel trilogy. He was in the scene where uh, Kylo Ren's walking through the corridor, round the corridor, and the Knights of Ren are there. They walk past these two stormtroopers, and uh, one of them actually says to the other one, the Knights of Ren. That was him. That was Carl Urban, apparently. Uh, he was one of those. I don't know if he was the... Yeah, it's his voice, yeah. So I was going to say, I don't know if, it's, if he actually voiced that thing. But yeah, he actually voiced that bit saying Knights of Ren. That was his only line. But yeah, another quirky little thing that's still coming out. We still don't know how many other actors played Stormtroopers or other parts in the, in the sequel trilogy. But um, yeah, fun little quirky thing, I suppose. It really is. It's like, it, there's almost nothing to it. It's just a little bit of, yeah, all right, cool. It's nice. And like, do, do you think they do it so they can do this? Like over the next two years, they're like, yeah, we'll tease this out, tease this out, tease this out, tease this out. Or is it just Carl Urban's filming next door? He nips on set and he jumps into a uniform because we've got one spare and we can do it. Like, do you think it's planned or just, it's just like, it's just for the best. They just do it. It's just for a laugh. Yeah, I think it's for a laugh, mate. Yeah, I think JJ just gets his mates down on set. Like, yeah, come and have a look around. I'm doing Star Wars. You might have heard of it. And, uh, yeah, and he's like, actually, well, you're six foot. Yeah, you'll fit. Get him a, get him a costume. You're in. Oh, well, okay. yeah, I'm not sure if my agent... Or just get in there. Get in there. Be fine. You get yeah, uncredited. I won't even know agent. about it. <laughs> yeah, he's not taking a cut. 30% of nothing. <laughs> See you later, Carl Urban. Get in that Stormtrooper outfit. You slag. <laughs> you slag, yeah. So that's a funny uh, little tidbit of news there. I'm sure we're going to get at least one more of those. I'm pretty certain that we'll get another, at least one more uh, actor that was in a Stormtrooper outfit. Do you know what we should do? We should, we should guess who it is right now. Guess who? Who do you yeah. think it is going to be? I'm going to say Tom Cruise. Oh, he's a legend. The Cruise. Because yeah. I know he's really good mates with JJ. Obviously, yeah, the whole bad scary. robot thing, mission, you know, the Mission Impossible bad robot thing. And uh, yeah, because John Boyega saw them two coming out of the lift. You know when John Boyega first went in to see JJ about Star Wars? Uh, well, about some, no, John Boyega was in there about something. JJ Abrams and Tom Cruise walk out of the lift. John Boyega's like, holy crap. And JJ walks up to him and went, I saw you in Attack the Block. I thought you were brilliant. I'll, I'll need to get you in one of my films. Tom Cruise just winks at him. Two or three years later, Tom Cruise sees him at the premiere and says, so, Star Wars, huh? Yeah, yeah, that's how that happens. So I reckon Tom Cruise, he's in there with JJ. I reckon he's a stormtrooper, dude. Although he is very short, so I'm not sure. Well, that brings me to my guess, because I think Danny DeVito is Babu, Babu Frick. <laughs> Babu Frick. He is Babu quite Frick. short. Yeah. Way. And then C3, C-3PO's like, it's me, I'm your brother. Oh, God. And it's like, wait a sec, was, <laughs> wasn't your memory wiped? Yes. I was brought up on an island. An island it's me. Yeah. Vince. Uh, do it. Now, JJ, roll the freaking camera now. Put down do, the papers and the trash. Do hot in here. Still love twins as a, as a kid. Twins, man, you can't beat it. The Pavement was his enemy. <laughs> I love that line. I love that line. Genius. Anyway, so if you think Tom Cruise, I'm, I'm, I'm going to stick with that. Babu Frick is Danny DeVito. Screw it. That's my guess. Cool. All right. We're going to do that for news, by the way. There is a few more okay. things to cover. We can just 
carry them over to next week because uh, we want to get on to some news around what's causing fans to just lose their mind at the minute, which is an interview that Daisy Ridley did with Josh Gad on behalf of Jimmy Kimmel. So Jimmy Kimmel live, Josh Gad's on there. He's got Daisy Ridley. I think the whole point of this interview was, look, everything's come out now. You don't have to be secretive anymore. You don't have to, you know, no spoilers. Let's get into the details of your character. So he quizzes her about a few things and then he asks her, so did you know what was happening with your character in terms of parentage and where she's from and all that jazz? Now, the, I think the reason why so many fans are, are miffed about this is because there was quite a few interviews that have happened over the years, right from The Force Awakens onwards, where they've asked people like Kathleen Kennedy and JJ and some other people like, so was all this planned? You know, we had a solid story and they were like, yeah, 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 this has been in the making for years. You know, we've we've got everything planned and, you know, we knew what was going on, all the rest of it. And then Daisy Ridley basically just essentially just shits all over those interviews and just destroys any sort of credibility that the makers and producers had with her character. Because she goes on to say, without hesitation, she literally just says it straight out. She's like, nah. They didn't have a clue what they were doing, basically. Uh, they said at one point she was linked to um, to the Skywalker, to Kenobi. Uh, there was something around, was she going to be uh, linked to Obi-Wan and that stuff in some way? Which kind of lends itself to what they did in The Force Awakens, where she, she gets hold of Luke's lightsaber, and then we have that whole montaged Force thing, and we hear uh, Alec Guinness his original voice say something and Ewan McGregor says something that links into that nicely. And then with The Last Jedi, uh, we had Ryan Johnson just completely disregarding what JJ did, did his own thing. Still don't know what's happening with Ray right until the end, pretty much. And then The Rise of Skywalker comes back and then we find out they've changed it and now it's Palpatine. So she, she basically says that. She's right up until The Rise of Skywalker, she says to JJ, you know, so Palpatine, Palpatine's granddaddy sort of thing. And then two weeks later, when she, they're talking about it, he's like, no, we're not sure about that storyline. We're not sure. So this coupled with the John Boyega interview that also went out recently, a few days ago, where he basically said that they cast him for race. That was it. They just needed a black dude in the film to just sort of check the box. Like, yep, we're sort of racially okay with Star Wars these days. He said the same thing. They had no idea what they were doing with his character. It was really cool, like the very early days, like this rogue stormtrooper. He sort of bought into that. Yeah, that could be an amazing story. And then he was just sidelined. You know, they didn't know what to do with him, blah, blah, blah. So these two things have just sent fans into like, there's a couple of like anyone that follows the, what's that YouTuber, uh, Star Wars Theory, that Canadian dude, anyone that follows his YouTube channel, he put out a video two days ago, and he was proper pissed off. Like, borderline, I thought he was going to cry at one point. He was proper pissed off. So, dude, this has sent shockwaves through Star Wars fandom. People are not happy. Yeah, and rightly so. And I think it's not it's not about the storyline per se, and I'll get to that in a sec. I think it's more about the lack of planning and disregard for the entire um, quality control of Star Wars. You know, it's very clear when you look at uh, the John Boyega Finn storyline, they, they didn't have a clue what to do. You know, they, he and Rose Tran were sidelined in The Last Jedi. 
and arguably sidelined even more. You know, he, he Finn essentially became a, a whiny love interest for Ray in in the third instalment. Um, and you know that's a huge shame because the Rogue Stormtrooper could have done so well. They even you know they 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 did so far, or they went so far with that. Like, yeah, I can get you in here. Like, I know the codes. Yes, I've got this. I've got this relationship with Phasma. Yes, we can play with that. They sort of did a little bit of it and then just didn't. Um, <clears throat> so I think compounding that is then this tale with with Daisy really coming out. And I think personally, I feel like it is just. Um, it's a sign of not kind of having the balls to go through with stuff again. And in, in my view, I think Ray being a nobody and or Ray being a Kenobi or a Jin or someone like that far is far, far more preferable to a being a Palpatine. Far more preferable. And not because it's Obi-Wan and not because he's badass. But for a number of other reasons, you know, there's been a few of these kind of knocking about on Reddit as well, if you've looked into it. But <clears throat> so a few other kind of, you know, your Star Wars is all about symmetry. It's all about um, coming full circle. It's all about duality. And, you know, the idea that a Kenobi in Rey could have finally brought someone who was teetering on the edge of the dark side properly, good and proper in Ben Solo, back to the light side, it, it finishes the Skywalker saga off. A Kenobi finally managed to sort out a Skywalker and stop him falling. And the symmetry of that is perfect. It really is. And say what you want for George Lucas. You know, yes, his films are clunky. Yes, his dialogue is clunky. But the, the story threads are complete. You know, they are... And we, we know that the original trilogy, you know, it wasn't planned. No, 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 one, no one expects us to believe that he had all this planned out before the first film. But what he did after that was fine. You know, he threaded it all the way through. And I think that's where they've gone wrong with this, is that they didn't have the balls to kind of go... In fact, I'll come at that from a different, coming at it from a different angle. They didn't have the <laughs> balls to kind of uh, follow through on something risky, but yet they didn't have the balls to go full-on fan service like we've talked about. Like, if you're going to do fan service, just please go deep into it. Just embrace it and it just... Be happy that it's a Star Wars movie that is going balls deep into cliched duality and cliched Skywalker style storytelling. You know, don't pretend. Um, you know, don't try and make it something that it's not. And I think that's just where they've fallen over with all this. You know, they they really like you said, you know, getting you and McGregor back in to record that line in The Force Awakens and then doing nothing with it. And not there was no link to you know that that bit of fan service with the voices of the Jedi at the at the end. They didn't have the balls to go all the way with that one, and thus Ray just didn't like. Who are these people? Who are these people that are talking to me? I'm assuming the Jedi, but I don't know. I've got no idea. Whereas you could have spent two films with you know think about it. You know Yoda turns up in the Last Jedi. Y yeah, sure. Obi Wan didn't have a relationship with Luke when he looked like Ewan McGregor, but please, there's, there are easy ways to get around that one. Just imagine what a better storyline it would have been if you got Ray early on, starting to discover what the hubris of the Jedi meant, where they'd fallen, you know, her, her whole, I'm going to be kind of a grey Jedi, you know, which was the implication at the end of, of The Rise of Skywalker. You know, she's a little bit like a soaker in that regard, where she's kind of, she's not a Jedi, but she kind of is, but she's, you know, she just, it's up to her how she does the good stuff. And sometimes she might force choke someone, 
but it's probably someone that needs it. It's that kind of, you know, it's that ambiguity, that moral ambiguity. How much better and much more of an impact would it have made if they'd spent two films building up to the reveal of the Jedi all being behind her and being within her? Because there was, there was no emotional core to it. And I think this is maybe the root of it. You know, if, if you don't know right till the end what story you're going to tell, you can't, there's nothing to play on. So you end up filming two movies that just don't have any payoff. Um, and I think this, this the more we get to it, you know, like, like you said, dude, I think John Boyega coming out and saying I was just basically, you know, they were, they were, trying, to, they were trying to race-proof Star Wars. They didn't really care about the character. That becomes abundantly clear when you watch the movies back. And then now this has come out. I think it's just... It's a shame because it was such a great opportunity. You know, John Boyega in The Force Awakens is great, and then he doesn't do anything in the other two movies. The same with Daisy Ridley. You know, there was so much mystery built up in The Force Awakens, and The Force Awakens was this this movie that had to toe the line between the old and the new, but they laid so much fresh groundwork. You know, so many people say it's a rehashing of A New Hope, and there are ways to look at that. It's either, you know, that's either a bad thing because it's unoriginal or it's, well, yeah, of course, these guys are neo-Nazis. Of course, they're trying to do the same thing, but on a bigger scale. That's what happens. Um, but it laid down so much mystery. You know, why did Luke's lightsaber reach out to her? Why did Obi-Wan appear to her in, in, in that flashback? Um, how could she manipulate the Force in such a high-quality way without seemingly any training? Like, there was so much in there and then there was the relationship with Luke you know there was no relationship with Luke it was try. They, they were you know they were forcing it in The Last Jedi it was such a such an emotionless relationship with Rey it was just some person turning up that kind of wanted to train as a Jedi but if it had been Luke actually you know the, the first if, if you're on the mountaintop and instead of throwing the lightsaber away you get Luke looking at it and you know, the first line that he then delivers is something like, you know, you look just like him. Or, you know, and because the lightsaber was the first thing he got from Obi-Wan and then suddenly he gets it from... There's just so much fertile territory that could have gone into. And by trying to avoid the fan service, they delivered something that it just doesn't do anything. Um, so, dude, I think it's... A, again, it's just... It puts the dot on the top of the eye in swing and miss. You know, it was a it was a total swing and miss with all this. So, yeah, that was a bit of a rant again. Sorry, no worries, man. Yeah, Kathleen, mate. Do you know what it is for me? I'm not angry. I'm just disappointed. Oh no, Dad! I'm sorry. Don't do it. That's what it is for me, no. buddy. Yep. And you mentioned George Lucas, right? And that's this is the thing that when I think about the the sequel trilogy and Disney's version of well, Disney's handling of star wars and certain people like kathleen and stuff all roads lead back to george lucas you cannot get away from it because like you said some of his dialogue might have been clunky in the prequel trilogy of course that's common knowledge but when you think about just how just how solid the storytelling is from his perspective everything that he did through the OT and the and the prequel trilogy. It's just like there was one story that we were going to cover. I'll just mention it very quickly, but somebody pointed out on Twitter the other day that um, uh, someone says, did you ever think about the last thing that Obi-Wan sees is Luke and Leia finally reunited after 19 years? So obviously Obi-Wan is there when they're born. He handles them the very, very first thing. And then Yoda splits them up 
to sort of protect them from the empire and the, and the emperor. And then just before Obi-Wan dies, he sees them together again. That's the first time they've been reunited, unbeknownst to them as being siblings. Uh, but that's a thing that is like a happy accident from, but that could only happen with like rock solid uh, storytelling and rock solid character progression and all that stuff, you know, and that all came out of George Lucas's brain. It's like, you know, it's for someone, anyone that's seen, um, uh, empire of dreams, that documentary where it goes into George Lucas's early life. And it says that, yep, he got hired by this studio to make American graffiti. And you know, that was all cool. But then it says like, but while he was making that and before he was making that, his head was just in the stars. He was just thinking about Star Wars. That's all he thought about and all he talked about. So you've got someone that just lives and breathes like this, you know, even from this tiny nucleus of an idea about this massive world. And then he just lives and breathes it and stuff versus Kathleen Kennedy and people like JJ. I'm not saying that they don't like Star Wars or they're not into it, but they it just feels like they've just come in at a certain point and it's everyone says this about Ryan Johnson as well that he just doesn't get Star Wars. He just doesn't understand it enough, which is why we ended up with the Last Jedi and stuff like that. So it's just like you said, mate. It's a massive shame and a huge missed opportunity for these characters. I would have loved to have seen Ray being connected. I would love to have seen Ray being Obi Wan's daughter. I really would because if you think about all of the times we saw. Obi-Wan throughout the prequel trilogy, they didn't even hint at him having a relationship with anyone. And it's only when you read some of the extended stuff, like the Kenobi book, the Obi-Wan book, where he kind of starts to fancy this woman that runs the ranch there. Those little nuggets, you could have so easily tied it into like, hold on, Obi-Wan was getting busy. We never knew that from the prequel trilogy. He was like this kind of like, yep, I'm Jedi through and through. That's it. And it would have opened up so many doors. And like you said, mate, building Ray's character up and her parentage throughout the trilogy, uh, throughout those trilogy films, instead of right at the end, like, oh, by the way, you're Palpatine's granddaughter. Mm. You know, freaking hell, mate. What a massive missed... Oh, dude, we can't go into it anymore, but, you know. I think it's. I think you just raised a really good point, though. That's worth just like a couple of minutes on, which is you're right on the relationship side. And there are a couple of things that popped into my mind on that one. Number one, yes, the whole, um, you know, Obi Wan on Tatooine. You know, they could have taken elements from the book. They could have done, like you said. And there's an Obi Wan series coming up. Like, what? What are you? What are you doing? Like, here's your chance to market the Obi Wan series. Do you know what I mean? It's just easy. It's like, wait a sec, he had a granddaughter, he had a daughter. And then in the in, when you're doing the trailers, it's like, you remember the thing from the movies? This is how it started. Oh, damn, okay, okay, now I'm, now I'm in, now I'm in. So there's that side of things as well. But also, from the Clone Wars, when I was watching season seven the other day, again, this is not a spoiler, but there's one line that um, that... That I'll tell you that it's not a it's not it's not a spoiler in any way, but Obi Wan just being how he is. Yes, he's all Jedi. He's all Jedi. He's all Jedi. He's all Jedi. Uh, but he's got that little glint, and he? he's got the little glint in his eye. And there's a bit where Anakin's talking to Padme in secret, and uh, he comes out of the room, and Rex is covering his ass, and uh, Obi Wan's outside like, "Where's Anakin?" Because I was just cleaning my helmet or inspecting my gear, and Anakin comes out and he goes, "Yeah, your gear's all right." And Obi Wan just drops a say hello to Padme for me, and you're like, "You little shit." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So the reason that I'm saying that is that he has still got that 
little cheeky glint. And it, it only was really kind of stamped out when um, Duchess Satine was killed by Maul. But think this through. You know, the, in the Clone Wars up to season six, there's a few little, wait a minute, is this... Is this Obi Wan's kid? Like, because the you know she's got a kid in that, I think, and it's like, is that Obi Wan's kid? Because he does look remarkably similar. <laughs> and then, but then again, take it a step further. You've got Katie Sackoff as Sabine Wren. Uh, sorry, as Bo-Katan and Cries, who's theoretically cast in the Mandalorian, who is the sister of um, Duchess Satine. So you've you've essentially got lineage there, and you've got linked like it's so all the stuff that Lucas did, like we said earlier on, all the character building stuff that other people can take as a, as a canvas and start to weave connections in and then they leave the canvas and someone else comes up and makes another connection. All of that is there and it was there and they just forgot about it. They just didn't touch any of it. Um, and to that point about, you know, the, the last thing that Obi-Wan sees being Luke and Leia, total, total serendipitous accident, except for the fact that George Lucas chose, and we might, we're either giving him too much credit or he's a genius, and I don't know which it is. He, he made the choice for Obi-Wan to be the people, uh, the person to see Luke and Leia at delivery. You know, he, he, he wrote that. So we're either giving him too much credit mm-hmm. and he spotted that, or like I said, oh, sorry, he has spotted that and gone, do you know what, actually, I can make something from this nothing by doing this other stuff back down here. And that's what you allude to around him being so immersed in this thing. That's the connection that he was able to make that no one, arguably except Dave Filoni and maybe like Pablo Hidalgo on some of that other stuff. But the corporates that seem to be, you know, responsible for the latest Star Wars big screen adventures, they don't seem to get that. And it's the old problem of like DC Comics, like let the comics writers do the first draft of these stories. Like, don't bring a film writer in until the comics writer's gone, this is what makes Superman Superman. Here are the 10 things you can do and can't do, and here's where I recommend you go. Like, let them do that stuff first. Um, so I don't know, man. What a shame. I mean, th- you can tell how important it is and how big a deal it is because we spent 25 minutes not stopping about it. <laughs> um, and I think this yeah. is it's representative of the fandom, dude. I think everyone's in, in, in up in arms about it. Indeedy, yes, and you're right, dude. Get the comics in, get the comics and the and the novelists. Get those guys in. Get them getting the story absolutely nailed and the characters. Then bring in your screenwriters to actually do like a screenplay, proper dialogue and stuff. Ah, mm-hmm. oh, mate. So yeah, that's kind of it's it's difficult to um to not be swept up in sort of the negativity around all that stuff. But here's hoping anyway that we get some good Star Wars stuff. Uh, coming in the near future with the High Republic and all that jazz. So fingers crossed, man. We've got mm-hmm. be- we've got better Star Wars to come. And I think we're going to wrap there, dude, for episode 73. It's been awesome catching up. Missed you last week, as I said, dude. Missed uh, all our little Brentisms and, and catching up and stuff. And uh, yeah, we'll carry over some of these news bits. You and I will talk about those things next week, uh, along with some other um, other Star Wars news bits, which I'm, which I'm sure are going to uh, surface between now and then. Mm-hmm. Uh, I forgot to ask you, dude. Are you um, up for Squadron still? Are you still going to pick up that game? Yeah, I th- dude. Um, I was going to talk to you about this, actually, and I forgot. Um, yeah, there is like five minutes on gaming we need to do because I think I am going to pick it up. And also, dude, the new Xboxes. Have you seen what they're doing with the All Access? And well, This is crazy. So now they've rolled EA Play into Game Pass as well, and you can buy an Xbox 
on a monthly, fairly interest, well, it looks to be interest free, for like 35 quid a month, you can get an Xbox and Game Pass Ultimate, which has now got EA Play in it. Dude, this is a masterstroke from Microsoft. It's an absolute masterstroke. They're putting, uh, they're, they're taking the Gillette model. They don't care about the console. They want you to keep buying the blades. And it's absolute genius. So now it's like, I'm going to get squadrons. I'm going to pick a PlayStation up and I'm going to get an Xbox because I just, I am, so, I've not been this curious about console wars for like 15 years. <laughs> I think this is, it's a genius move. So yeah, I'm probably going to pick it up. Um, once I've uh, once I've won the PGA Tour, obviously twice on my <laughs> new game, um, which will happen. Um, but yeah, I'm going to get it, dude. But yeah, what have you what have you thought about the gaming stuff recently? Just a quick interlude on that one. Like it it, it really is genius, isn't it? Yeah, I think Microsoft have um, have certainly uh, thought about how they want to draft gamers into an ecosystem for sure. It feels like they're not really pushing. Well, obviously they want to sell consoles, but it feels like they just want to get people on Game Pass. That's the mm-hmm. thing. So it doesn't matter if you buy the new one or if you've got an OG Xbox One. It doesn't matter. Just get yourself on X- on Game Pass. Like you said, now they've rolled EA Play into it as well. You get so much content. And now with these finance plans as well. So here in the UK, the Xbox Series X is 20, uh, 29 quid. So under 30 quid. You'll get the console, 0% APR for 24 months. You own it at the end. Plus, you get your game box, uh, your game box, your Xbox Game Pass Ultimate as part of that cost as well. Which is crazy, because what's <laughs> that, 15 quid a month on its own? Uh, it's 10.99, I think, isn't it? Game Pass Ultimate. Oh, I was thinking, so I bought three months for like, no, sorry, I bought a year for, no, I bought six months for like 17 quid, you know, for like uh, CD yeah. keys or whatever. Yeah. But so even if, so if it's 11 quid, right? So you're getting an Xbox for 18 quid a month. And I know that's, you know, I know that's maybe 100 quid over retail over the course of the uh, over the course of the period. It's not as cheaper, mate. It's cheaper. What? Yeah, so if you bought the Xbox Series X outright for £450 plus two years worth of Game Pass Ultimate, it works out cheaper to do it on the finance. Are you kidding me? I'm not joking. Dude, this is a, it's a serious genius move. So it's like... You know, imagine you've got a 10-year-old kid that needs 50 different things every week. Brand new trainers for school. They're bloody going on the school trips and all that crap and Christmas is coming up. There's a new... This is where, again, it gets genius. So the, the new Series S that have brought out, the smaller one, less powered. So like my little nephew, for example, he gets a new Xbox for Christmas. It costs 25 quid a month. He's got all the games he can possibly want to play and he's got a, a sort of underpowered Xbox that's still a brand new Xbox, but he doesn't care about 4K. Dude, I'm telling you, like, from well, looking at this from a business perspective, it's an absolute masterstroke. Yeah, dude, I'm just working out the maths now. So if you were to buy the Xbox and two years worth of Game Pass Ultimate at 263 quid, you'd end up paying £712. For those two years, the twenty eight oh, wow. ninety nine times twenty four is six hundred ninety five. So <sighs> it's it's not much, but it's actually cheaper to do it over the uh, over the old finance. It will fly off the shelves, and I mean it will, and it will open up. It will open up. So you and I, like the scenario that I find myself in, is that do you know what? Am I going to get an Xbox? Am I going to get a PlayStation? I was l- very lucky to win. I got like a one a year a Game Pass Ultimate from, from Danny at Gamertag. Like just super lucky. But the good thing with that is that I would just keep it there after anyway. So 
I would be in a position where I'm like, well, I'm not going to buy a new Xbox until Halo comes out. And I still stand by that. I'm not going to, unless they bring a big exclusive out, I'm not going to buy this console. But now I'm in the position where I would buy a PlayStation. And rather than the decision being, do I buy an Xbox? The decision then becomes, when do I buy the Xbox? When, yeah. Because yeah. you and I are like, you were a bit more hardcore. We'll get the PlayStation. We'll get the, it was inevitable. We were always going to get both. We, and we will do just to see what the deal is. Um, but it's taken the question off the table. Totally. So it's opened the market up to so many more people. I'm so impressed by it, dude, honestly. Yeah. And then you throw in the other one, the Series S, which will get, get yeah. you a next-gen console for 20 quid. Oh, yeah. What? Yeah. How yep. much is that per month? 20 quid. It's not. 20 no, it's quid. not. 20, 20 pounds and 99 pence. So 21 what, quid. And you get Game Pass Ultimate? Uh, Game Pass Ultimate in that 24 months as well. Yep. Are you kidding me? That is insane, dude. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's... Uh, so I think Sony have got to come with something pretty strong. I'm hearing there's going to be an event next week where they're going to unveil their pricing and availability and stuff. So they need to come with something pretty strong because they've got the exclusives and everything, the momentum from the PS4. Mm. That's going to carry, so they are going to do well still. But I think there are going to be a lot of gamers tempted by this uh, by this Xbox deal, dude. Yep. And I also think it's not just the gamers. I think it really is trying to open up a new market. I think they're trying to get to the people that don't game, like Netflix got to the people that didn't watch movies or go to the cinema. And... All right, here's a question for you. So, like, without sounding crass, like, you and I are fortunate enough to be able to buy an Xbox. We could just, today, you and me could go out, we could buy an Xbox, and then in a couple of weeks' time, go out and buy a PlayStation. We could, we're fortunate enough to be able to do that. Would you spend 500 bucks on an Xbox, or would you just say, do you know what, for 30 quid a month, I'm going to do, do it like this? Um, yeah, I think, well, I think so, yeah, because... Um, it just saves up a bunch of upfront money, I suppose. Because like, if the decision was, I'm going to spend 500 quid roughly on one or the other, or do I drop a thousand pounds to buy both? You don't have to do that now. You just spend 500 quid and buy the PS5 and get the Series X on this. You're saving yourself a few quid over two years anyway. Why Dude, not? I think it's genius. I, I totally agree with you. Like, I'm always a fan of. I never used to be, but I'm always a fan. This is totally not Star Wars. This is like a separate podcast. <laughs> but I am. Um, I'm always a fan of. Um, sort of, if so, like a phone. You know, the phone. It's economically better to pay the phone monthly, like because you can do more with a grand in your pocket as a one-off. You can do something more meaningful and impactful with a grand than twenty quid a month. You always can. It's like, you know, if you lend someone a grand and they were like, I'll give it you back at a quid a week. Like, well, I can't really do anything with that. I need the grand to be able to do the thing I want to do with the grand. And this is like a perfect scenario because if you're a kid at Christmas morning, like you're not putting your parents under any pressure to drop a grand or drop 500 quid. And you remember when you got consoles as a kid, it was like, oh crap, I can't afford. We talked about it before. Like I can't afford to get a new game. So now you just, you, your little kid wakes up on Christmas morning, all you've done is spent 30 quid and they've got 150, 200 games and a brand new Xbox. Dude, I'm telling you, honestly, I'm blown away by it. <laughs> yeah, that's a thing for parents who haven't got 500 pounds and there'll be a lot of them this year, especially mm. given what's gone on. You haven't got just 500 quid sitting around or um, 300 quid um, for the Series S. You haven't got that type of money sitting around, but they can afford that monthly payment. There's going to be a lot of happy kids Christmas morning still, so. Big time. Big time. 
that was Star Wars through and through. But yeah, I'll probably get Squadrons, mate. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm still undecided on Squadrons. I'm gonna, I'm not going to pre-order it like I have previous Star Wars games. I'm going to see what the reviews are like and then, and then pick it up after that. If the reviews are great, then I'll obviously get it straight away. If not, I'll wait till it's a bit cheaper. Sure. Yeah. But that's been episode 73. I hope you've enjoyed another week of uh, Star Wars Waffle and news. It's been great to chat to all of you uh, to bring you up to speed in what's happening in the world of Star Wars. Remember to subscribe to our show. Just uh, head over to whatever podcast app you listen to them on. Just do a search for Spark of Rebellion or head over to the website sparkofrebellion.com forward slash listen. There are links to go off to the various networks and apps there. Uh, We'd love to have you as a sub. If you've got a minute to leave a review and a rating, that would be awesome because that helps us out loads and loads. And if you like the show and want to support us, head over to patreon.com forward slash spark of rebellion. There are at the moment a bunch of tiers there that you can jump onto, get yourself some SOR swag all the way up to producer credits and get involved in the show. And thank you so much to our current patrons. Dude, it's been awesome chatting this week. Until next time. Always fun, dude. Glad to be back. Thanks for covering next week. And uh, yeah, really good. We'll see what news comes up this week and dig in once more on episode 74. So thanks, dude. It's been fun. Indeedy. Take care of yourselves, everybody. We'll see you next time. And the Force will be with you always.